are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. But I just want to go into the passages for tonight. Um, there's four quick passages. You could try to follow along, but I'm going to, I wrote it all down here, so I'm just going to read them real quick. So the first is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 7. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Oh. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. The next is this, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 40. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Next is Mark chapter 12, verse 30 to 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And lastly, Luke chapter 10, verses 27 to 28. He answered, you know, again, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. I mean, so by now I feel like you guys could kind of tell what the main point or the topic of you know, tonight will be, and it, it's so important that it's commanded to us um, not only the commandment, you know, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but to teach our children that, you know, letting us know that this is the first and greatest commandment, letting us know that there is no commandment greater than these, and lastly, Jesus says, do this and you will live. I feel like living is pretty important, so, Yeah. So the title of it, um, I mean, I actually had two titles in mind. I'm just going to, like, combine them, though. It's called All of It and then Dash, Heart, Soul, Mind, and Strength. So before I begin, I just want to tell, you know, a little bit of my life story, uh, just a little testimony, just to kind of set up um, things about tonight. But, yeah, I mean, just just to give it discretion, I'm still trying to, like, find my voice. And I'm just going to be confident in who I feel like God made me. And I'm going to say some things that might be polarizing or offensive, but just bear with me. You could boo me after, but just don't do it right now because I'm going to cry. So it was July 22nd, 1992. I don't know the details of that date, nor do I want to know. But my birthday is April 28th, 1993. So through some calculations, I think that was the day that I was conceived. And you guys are probably asking each other, like, oh, what does conceive mean? You could ask your pastors later, but too much information, I'm sorry. You know, don't be offended. It's a natural thing. And honestly, there was no point in starting that far back, but I just wanted to give a shock factor so you guys could kind of pay attention right now. (laughs) But, you know, fast forward to my toddler years. I actually was born in Korea. I don't really remember, you know, much of a religious background, actually. 
But I remember two instances that were religious or spiritual from my childhood. And the first one is actually um, doing like ancestral worship. Because um, I, I feel like a lot of us here are Korean. I feel like we might have done that as well. We like bow to pictures of our dead relatives or something like that. Like, I don't really know the details. Um, and there's a part actually where someone puts out the candles with their fingers and my dad did that. So I thought that was really cool, but it's not as cool right now because I'm Christian now. But that was one of the, you know, religious or spiritual things that I was, you know, open to. And then the next is actually, I think our family was Buddhist. So um, me, my mom, and my sister, I remember uh, going to like a Buddhist temple. And the only memory I have is like, we saw a bunch of monks in like those robes and they're like chasing like a rabbit. I don't know like what religious practice that is, but that's just what I remember. But when I moved to America, which was when I was around six or seven years old, I don't exactly remember, but I actually recently found out the real reason, you know, why we moved. I thought it was, you know, just a typical, like, you know, American dream, you know, move out and get a better life. And that was kind of part of it, but we were actually kind of forced out because uh, I don't know if I could be talking about all this, because I didn't ask my parents, but I'm just gonna do it. Um, so my dad was really into investing, right? And he actually doubled our money at one point and we're like, oh my God, like we're getting rich. And he was like, yo, like I have a good idea. Like, let me try it again. So he invests whatever we had doubled again, everything. And then I think something with the economy and we ended up literally losing everything. And we had the choice to either move to America or to live in like the countryside and like pick pears or, for a living or something like that. And then my mom was like, there's no way I'm living like that. So she's like, hey, I wanna move to America. And then, you know, in Korean culture, there's, cause my dad's a little older, like she has never talked back to him or she's never challenged him before, but she was like, hey, I wanna move to America. And he was like, no, like if you wanna move, like you can take the kids and you, you guys move. And then so my mom was like, for the first time ever, like, all right, fine, I'll just do that then. And then my dad was like shocked. And then, you know, a few days later, he came crying to my mom. He's like, please don't leave. Like, I'll go with you. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that's my dad. She, he's great. So we moved to America and we only went to church for, you know, community reasons. Um, you know, we were told like, you can meet a lot of great you know, Korean people there. Your kids will have friends and um, yeah, you'll have something to do like free, free daycare and stuff like that. So even though we went for only community reasons, you know, obviously God had a different plan. Um, I actually used to prefer not going to church and I just wanted to you know, rollerblade like all the time. <laughs> Why rollerblade? I don't know. We just, I just want to rollerblade every Sunday. Um, but my mom was actually the first to encounter God in our family. So she used to work every Sunday. Uh, so she, she used to do nails for a living and she worked like so hard to the point, like I think there was a time she fainted just because she was working so hard, but she used to work every Sunday. So she was never able to go to church. But you know, living in America, low income, trying to raise two kids and um, you know, my dad was like a businessman in Korea, but here it's like, he had to first work at a laundromat and then he got fired because he microwaved a cheeseburger. Like, yeah, I don't know, things like that happen. So it's just a lot of anxiety and 
my mom actually used to, um, you know, not even be able to sleep at night. So she used to have to take either sleeping pills or she used to have to, she, she was like on some sort of medication for mental health. And, you know, she was drinking alcohol to like go to sleep. And to be honest, I didn't know this until like really recently, until my mom kind of told me everything. And I was like, oh my God, like, am I blind? Like, how did I not know that? But um, for the first time ever, she didn't have work on a Sunday. And she was like, okay, I'll go to church with you guys. And it was just the weirdest thing. I, I don't even know exactly what it was. But from that point on, she was able to sleep fine. You know, she didn't need alcohol anymore. She didn't need medication anymore. And it's just crazy because I, I, feel, I feel like it only had to be the power of God that set her free. Like there's no way a preacher could preach that good that you could sleep well at night, you know? Like, unless he, like, really tired you out, like, throwing, like, challenging questions at you or something like that. Like, there's no way that a preacher just preaching, you know, without the power of God could have done that. Um, so that's the first kind of experience that our family felt. And then the rest of the family, we hadn't experienced God yet, um, but we just kept going to church. And I don't know, I feel like we didn't even think about getting saved, but I actually remember that I did believe in a higher being. Maybe I was like a six-year-old agnostic. I probably didn't know that word back then. But I seriously believed in Santa Claus. Like, I seriously believed in him. Like, one time, um, I don't think my sister is here, but she did something mean to me. I mean, she did a lot of mean things to me, but <laughs> she turned around, walked away, and then I don't know where I learned this at six years old, but I stuck my middle finger at her. I'm not gonna do it here, but it kind of looked like this. This is my ring finger, but I did this to my sister and immediately I felt like guilt or like repentance and then I didn't pray to God, I prayed to Santa Claus. <laughs> like, I was like, Santa Claus, please. Like, I know you saw that. I don't wanna be naughty, please. <laughs> you know, and I don't know how, but it just like led me straight into repentance and the idea of Santa Claus is really interesting because he kind of like, shames you into being good, you know, like, like, if you're not good, I'm going to give you coal, and it's like, I don't want coal, like, what do you do with coal? So, I don't know if anyone in here has Santa Claus theology, that's not a thing, I just, like, made that up, so trademark that, but God doesn't shame you, you know, into holiness, God doesn't shame you into being good, it's not even about being good, but it's God's kindness that leads you into repentance, um, so yeah, so we went about our lives and didn't experience God yet. And then one day, um, I joined a gang and I did drugs and I murdered eight people, went to prison and in the cell, God, the father himself showed up with Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, John the Baptist, King David, Virgin Mary, pregnant Mary and mother Mary. And then pregnant Mary led me in a salvation prayer and I got saved. No, I'm just kidding. That, that didn't happen. So there was honestly not a salvation moment for me. You know, like, I'm sure people have experienced something um, maybe not nearly as crazy as that. I tried to think of the most crazy thing. That's just where my mind went. Like, pregnant Mary and Mother Mary and Virgin Mary in the same room. But I didn't have a salvation moment, but it just kind of happened. You know, one day I just realized that I love Jesus Christ more than anything in my life. You know, that if it wasn't for Jesus Christ in my life, that I would have no purpose and no value. And I had a couple of moments, you know, like that kind of kept confirming that. 
I remember there was even a time where I was at church in college and I don't even know what I was thinking about. The preacher was preaching. I wasn't listening, but God was speaking to me and he was like showing me like, like how much he loves me. And then that's when I realized, wow, like I literally would not have any value, would not have any purpose or any vision if God didn't save me. And there was no, you know, crazy retreat moment. But one day I just kind of realized, wow, like I love God. And it's, you know what it's kind of like? And I feel like we could all kind of relate and understand this, but it's kind of like, um, like puberty. Right? Puberty, right? So let me explain. <laughs> so you're just living your life, and then one day it just kind of happens, right? Like, <laughs> it's not like you're working towards this goal of puberty, but one day it just, you're like, oh, I'm going through puberty right now. Or one day, you know, like, you know, for some of us, it's kind of like the end of puberty. You're going through it and all of a sudden you're like, oh, like, I don't want to yell at my parents anymore. Like, I'm done with puberty. But, and I know, <laughs> I know I still look like I'm going through puberty because of my lack of facial hair. I actually can't grow hair here. So it's like only here. And then, you know, my voice kind of cracks. But I'm pretty sure I'm done with puberty at 26 years old. So like in the same way of how I'm sure or pretty sure I'm done with puberty, you know, I'm pretty sure that I'm saved, you know? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm firmly sure that I am saved. So all this in weird detail, just to let you know that I, I didn't have a crazy salvation moment. You know, there were actually so many times I struggled uh, with knowing whether even if I was saved or not, because I didn't have this crazy moment. Um, I struggled with whether knowing God could use me or not, because my story wasn't cool. You know, I struggled with knowing whether anybody would be inspired by my salvation story that parallels the experience of puberty. You know, I wasn't one of those great role model type kids. I wasn't one of those like gangsters with like, you know, a crazy story that as soon as you see him and hear his story, you're like, wow, God must be real. Like, you know that, uh, I just thought of this right now, but <laughs> you know that one YouTube video, it's like viral. <laughs> it's like, it's like the ex-gang member and he's like, we love you, God. <laughs> he's like, Jesus Christ. And he's like, it's like dancing. Okay, no, sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Too much time on the internet, but just look it up. <laughs> It's so funny because we were talking about whether, like, I was like, I'm just going to do it on stage today, but I didn't actually plan to, but I just did it. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, I wasn't one of those gangsters with a cool story, and I was just, you know, a normal, average Korean boy in America trying to learn English and long division at the same time. So how many of us are married here? Yeah, I know there was no transition, but I'm gonna, there's a point to it. So, you know, how was your wedding? Can anyone just say one word, like how, how awesome was your wedding? Huh? Awesome, yeah. I'm sure everyone's wedding was awesome, right? Do you guys know um, Brangelina? Yeah, that's, that's Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. You know, rest in peace. Uh, I mean, to clarify, neither of them died. It's just... They're not together anymore, or they're like finalizing the divorce. Neither, they're both still alive. But before Brangelina, does anyone know who Brad Pitt was actually married to? 
Oh, everyone knows that? I didn't know that. <laughs> well, that, that kind of ruins my imagery, but let's just say no one knew, right? So does anyone know who Brad Pitt was actually married to before Angelina Jolie? No? Yeah, that, that's what I thought. So he was actually married to Jennifer Aniston. Thanks, guys. You guys are awesome. <laughs> but can anyone guess how much Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston actually spent for their wedding? This one, I feel like no one knows. More than 12, what, dollars? Maybe, maybe. What? More than 12 Korean won. Okay, yeah, no. Oh, for sure, for sure. Anyone? Zero? 300K. That's a lot of money. All right, I'll, I'll just tell you guys. They spent $1 million approximately for their wedding just for one night. But honestly, you know, they split. And I wrote, a lot of us don't even remember they were even married, but obviously a lot of us do. But they split even after spending a million dollars on their wedding. You know, I feel like I won't even be able to make a million dollars in my lifetime, you know? Yeah, but I looked up um, for this kind of imagery. I looked up celebrity, lavish, and then, you know, Google filled the rest. It said weddings. And so I looked up the weddings, and then, actually, for a side note, I think I'm really good at Googling things, because that was, like, the first article was perfect for me. Because um, even one time at my job, like, I didn't know how to do something, and then they were like, yo, just do this thing. And then I was like, okay. So I Googled it, and then I figured it out, and then they all were like, yo, good job, Kevin, for, like, weeks. I was like, oh, wow, like, this is great. I wish I got a raise for weeks. But, but I digress. But as I was looking at you know, this article, I realized a lot of the blurbs, right, because it's you know, celebrity, lavish weddings you know, from like 10 to number one, like from the most expensive to least expensive, whatever. Like a lot of these ended with they split in 2005, or they split in 1996, they split in 2010, they're gonna split into 2025, like whatever, right? And shout out to whoever wrote this article because I didn't have to do further research. I just, all I had to do was just look at this one. But the point I wanna make is this. Even though you have these huge million dollar weddings, it doesn't say anything about your marriage. You could spend all the money you have, invite all the people you have, all the people you know, but it, it doesn't say anything about your marriage. And what I'm getting at is, I know you're thinking like, Kevin, I didn't come here to listen to E! News or like Us Weekly or like, you know, like the latest updates from People's Magazine, but let me tell you what I'm getting at. It doesn't matter how awesome your wedding was if your marriage is not good. And in the same way, it doesn't matter what your salvation looked like if your relationship with God is not good. If you're radically saved, that's awesome. You know, there's so many great radical salvation stories. I'm not trying to shame. There's no shame there. But, you know, there's so many great stories, and those are all great testimonies of who God is and him revealing himself you know, to every single one of us. But it doesn't mean that your salvation is less special if it's not something crazy. It doesn't matter how you were saved, but all that matters right now is your relationship with God in the here and now. 
And I say this to preach to myself at the same time too, because I think a lot of us give us a give ourselves a pass for not pursuing God because of a number of reasons. And uh, I mean, just one of those reasons is, you know, you think like I'm not a pastor. And let me just break this to you now. Like, all of you guys are in full time ministry once you accept Jesus Christ into your life. And who here has accepted Jesus Christ into their lives? Can I get like an amen? amen. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah? Are there other words I could say like to hype them up? All right. Huh? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, yeah, so let me break it together, full-time ministry. And I just want to say that you guys have influence in the place you're at, no matter what your career is, no matter what your occupation is. You know, you don't need to be a pastor um, to have a good relationship with God. And I'm not against pastors, so don't take this the wrong way. But, and if you're a pastor, you probably want me to say this, but you can have the same relationship with God that your pastor has and possibly be even closer than your pastor. You could possibly do things and carry things and carry characteristics and heart of God that your pastor does not even have. And all that to you know, give you guys a sense of responsibility over your own relationship with God and to let you guys know the value that you carry in this kingdom, in God's kingdom. Getting paid by the church makes you a pastor. But Jesus Christ paying it all makes you a minister for the kingdom. Getting paid by the church makes you a pastor. I was really proud of this one. But Jesus paying it all for you makes you a minister of the kingdom. You guys could put that on Instagram. But this goes, you know, without saying, but I just want to, you know, reiterate that we can only love God because you know, God loved us first. You know, that's where it all started. You know, Jesus Christ dying for us, just for us to be able to even have relationship with God, for us to be able to choose God. And his grace not only saved us, but gave us the power and the choice to love him. He's the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega. And we only have the ability to love God because he spoke it into existence, when he gave us the commandment to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So him saying that out loud, right, and writing it in scripture and four times in scripture in different contexts, written by different perspectives, that's all to speak you know, into reality that we can actually love God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds, all of our strengths, and it's not limited to pastors. It's not limited to just priests or anyone in seminary, theologians, but for every single one of us that can read the Bible. And the commandment is not an empty commandment. No, he didn't say it just so we could attempt it and then hate ourselves for not being able to do it. You know, I believe that God is a good God, that God is a good father, and I don't believe that he's going to give us commands that we cannot keep. And obviously, without saying, you know, we're not doing this on our own. It's his grace. Everything points back to his grace and what he supplies that allows us to love him. So what I alluded to earlier is that we can't live a life where the most we love God was just at the beginning of our relationship with him. 
you know, as we get to know God more and more, our love should be growing more and more. And if you're not loving God more and more, then check to see if you're knowing him more and more. And Revelations chapter 2, verse 4 says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. And I was actually going to try to dissect, you know, the heart, soul, strength, heart, soul, mind, strength, and try to think of practical ways to um, kind of do all of this. But I, I feel like it's probably better if I use a personal story to kind of give an example of it. So I got permission from my girlfriend who's in the back over there like five minutes before worship. <laughs> I've been meaning to ask her. I just kept forgetting, you know, procrastination. But I have a dream. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but this is the story of, I mean, so we've been dating for almost five years now, right? So I know what you guys are thinking. It's like, What's the holdup, Kevin? Like, why are you waiting so long? Where's the ring, right? I'm working on it, okay? So I actually talked to her parents uh, pretty recently. You know, I finally got the uh, courage. I was going to use a different word, but the courage to talk to her parents. And yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. But this is actually the story of kind of like my rejection. You know, it didn't work out so well. So um, I might cry. <laughs> We'll talk about this. But we, it was a Friday night. No, not Friday night, Saturday. It was Saturday morning. Something happened. I don't want to go into the details, but pretty much Friday night, I only got maybe like two or three hours of sleep. And then um, something disrupted my sleep from Friday night. And then I knew that the next morning I, we had to drive to Maryland because that's where her parents were. Um, what is it, like four hours, four and a half hours? from New Jersey to Maryland, or Virginia, Maryland, Virginia, doesn't matter. But I was so tired, you know, like I barely got any sleep, but I was determined. You know, I was like, you know, I have my outfit, you know, all set for tomorrow. And I know what place we're gonna go and eat and, you know, we have gifts for them. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. They're gonna say yes and I'm gonna propose on the spot. No, I'm just kidding. But, so we went. And we're driving, and it's very long drive. And it sounds quick just because I'm telling this story, but believe me, four and a half hours was very long. And we get there. Uh, we get to the restaurant, and I'm, like, so nervous. I'm, like, here's your, here's your wine, sir, like, <laughs> to her dad. And then, like, the flowers, like, here's your flowers, like, to her mom. Like, oh, thank you so much, whatever. And then, you know, we get to our seats, and it's, like, I've never sat in a restaurant this nice before, you know, like, I'm like, I feel like I shouldn't even, like, touch the napkins because I'm going to get it dirty or something. But everyone's ordering food, and it happens to be, like, a seafood steak place, but it was, like, the lunch menu, so there was no steak. So I was like, oh, what do I eat? And everyone gets this nice fish dish, which I, like, can't eat cooked fish for some reason. Um, but that's besides the point. So I order, like, this fried shrimp dish with, like, fried rice. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like something, like, I could eat. And it doesn't sound like... It's so not classy because it has shrimp in it. And it's so funny because we're just like waiting and um, the food's about to come out. And you know, I'm like trying to learn like you know, what's the proper way to eat bread. Like I see them doing it in a particular way. I'm like, oh, can I put my knife here? Like thinking all these thoughts. And then this guy comes out and he brings me a pair of chopsticks. It's an American restaurant. 
I'm like, what kind of race stuff is this? Like, but I realize when all the food comes out, theirs comes out really nicely plated with like, you know, the fish and the vegetables and the sauce and whatever, and all in nice, you know, like white dishes. And mine comes out in like this like Chinese bowl with like fried rice, fried shrimp, and then I get the pair of chopsticks to eat with. And just from that, I'm like, oh my God, like as if this wasn't hard enough, like now I have to pretend like I'm classy and I don't even know like how to do it. But we're going through the meal. They're barely talking to me. <laughs> it's like I'm not even there. I'm like finally invisible. I did it. Like, but that happens. I you know, don't get to ask them yet. We go to a cafe. And then I bring it up. Uh, we, we first buy them some pingzu, you know, just to, oh, that's a shaved, Korean shaved ice. Uh, it's better than it sounds. It's not, just try it. But, you know, we're going, you know, we're eating and I'm like not eating because I'm lactose intolerant and like, <laughs> and I finally popped a question in Korean, like struggling to get my Korean out because I moved here when I was six. And he's, and I'm like, there's no response. So I'm like, okay, um, can I say it in English? And then I say it in English and just, I don't want to go into the details, but it just, it just didn't end well, you know? I wasn't rejected flat out on the spot, but like I went to the bathroom and then I found out I got rejected. Like, like from right from there, like they talked to Anne and they're like, hey, uh, no. And I was like, oh, okay. So that happened and then, you know, we're talking about it on the ride home and it was like an even longer four and a half hours. You know, it was like, I was pretty devastated and it's like kind of, I was expecting it it's like, why would they say yes anyway? It's like, you know, going through all these things, like, oh, I should have gotten the fish. Or like, oh, I should have threw the chopsticks out or something. <laughs> like, oh, man. I'm just going through all these things and just talking to Anne, just processing it. And I feel like it, it's this moment where I could choose to love God instead of, like, hating myself, you know? All these things I could have done differently and, you know, when, when I got the rejection, it was to still hope and to renew hope and strength and believe that God is for me and not against me, you know, and that he's good. And I was thinking all these thoughts, and I was like, God, like, if Anne's parents only knew who I was, you know, if Anne's parents only understood how much, you know, I love her, what I could do for her. And I know I don't make a lot of money, but, you know, what I'll do to try to provide, then they'll know, you know, then they'll say yes. And even though I was misunderstood, I just, you know, kept trying to renew hope. And it's like, you know, maybe God is up to something, you know, that he'll resolve it one day, whether it's that night that he visits her, that visits them, you know, in their dreams and says like, yo, like Kevin's my boy, like say yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> or in a month, you know, they start opening up and they're like, you know, maybe he's not so bad. Like, the choice of food he got was weird. Or, you know, if God gives me opportunities for them to, you know, get to know me. And, you know, the final thought I had was even if it's one day longer than a lifetime, you know, maybe even 
um, when we get married, they still don't approve and they don't understand who I am and the values that I have until, you know, we're both dead and in heaven and they see me and they're like, oh man, you weren't so bad. And it's even if I misunderstood my entire lifetime, I just knew that I had hope that God will bring resolve to it. And I just kind of want to go through the heart, soul, mind, and strength part of this, you know, example. And in a way that I was loving God, you know, with all of my heart, was bringing all my affections to him throughout that experience. It was protecting my heart and reminding myself that even if Anne's parents don't like me, that God still likes me. You know, that God still loves me. There's so many promises, you know, in scripture. There's so many times I've experienced God's love firsthand and that even if someone doesn't like me, that God still likes me. And the next, the next thing was taking care of my soul. You know, loving God with all of my soul, giving him all of my soul, not letting any bitterness or any unforgiveness have any way in me. That's just one of the ways to take care of your soul, but do not let any anger or any bitterness take hold of you you know, when you experience events like this. And that's the way that I was loving God with all of my soul and with all of my mind. You know, I had to have a renewed mind. You know, if I didn't have the perspective of eternity, I would always feel like, oh man, like I don't measure up to, their, to her parents, like I'm a failure. But to be able to see things in the light of eternity, understanding that God has a purpose, a plan, you know, like, and even if it takes one day longer than a lifetime, that he's going to bring resolve to it. And, you know, loving with all my strength. Um, so this one, I don't think I did that well, but I just kind of put something in there. So just with devotion and my discipline, that despite the weariness of that day, I don't remember if I really did or not, but I'm, for the sake of this example, just still being able to spend time with him. And I do have examples from this, and, you know, just making time with God a non-negotiable no matter how tired you are. And one of the biggest moments I actually remember was when I was in college, I used to be part of, um, like, a dance team. I promise it was better than, like, that Jesus Christ part. But we used to have practices, like, during finals time until, like, 4 a.m. Not that I really studied that hard, but I would come home 4 a.m. And, you know, before I even showered, I don't even know if I showered before I went to sleep, but before I even showered, I would make time with God and non-negotiable. And with all of the strength that I had, I loved him, you know, out of devotion, out of discipline, not out of religion, but just to spend some time with him before I slept. And let me tell you, when you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, um, you become invincible. You know, when you give God all of your heart, right, it doesn't matter, you know, like what kind of rejection you face, who doesn't like you, who you don't feel loved by, because you gave all your affections to God. And with all your soul, you know, taking care of all the junk that you could have in your soul, and nothing could get a hold of you because you're giving God everything about it. And with all your mind, seeing things with a renewed mind, renewed perspective for eternity, and with all your strength, because time spent with God is not time wasted. So I'm nowhere near perfect in this lifestyle. I'm still in the process of being in place and God is taking me layers by layers. And, you know, I used to pray things like, God, let me heal and prophesy in your name to bring you glory and things like that. And to be honest, I still want that, you know, like 
if people are sick, like I still want to be able to pray and have them experience God's healing. And I tried all this prophecy stuff in the beginning, still working on it. But, but then God brought me to a place where I could pray and even utter these words, God, even if I never do those things, let me just get close to you. That life will be good as long as I'm close to you. It's, it's just that simple that, you know, let's say that a prophetic word, every time I try, it never connects. There's never a Christopher in the room. There's never no Dianas, stuff like that. But even if that never happens, just the fact that I'm close to God is enough. And I just want to give a shout out to Danny Kang. He said something in our Slack page that was really cool. And it just rocked me. But it was like, you know, God, don't let me repent just to be used by you. Because I think that's really great, you know, repenting so that God can use you. So you're clean, you're pure, you hear the voice of God, you know, anything. But God, don't let me repent just to be used by you. Let me repent just for you and you alone. And it's weird, but this past year, you know, God kept bringing me to a place to pray literally nothing and just be satisfied with his presence. You know, like, I don't know why I had all these moments, but we would just be in prayer meetings and I just would feel like God saying, like, Jay, just focus on my presence. And I didn't say a single word. I didn't ask for anything, but he would just make me weep. And I still don't really understand it, but I could just feel like God is doing something just by sitting with me. And when I think of returning to my first love um, of God and just God, it's cool because, you know, we're talking about having, you know, childlikeness. And I'm actually reminded of when I was young, and I don't honestly even know if I was saved at this time. But before I used to sleep at night, what I used to do was I would put my arm out like this so that Jesus could have a pillow to sleep on. All right, yeah. Like, I was a weird kid. I don't know why I thought that. Like, weird imagination, television or something. But, but I want to go back to that childlike heart, you know, like, just to hang out with Jesus is enough. I don't know where all this like performance mentality, like I gotta like look a certain way in front of these people, like I gotta preach a certain way, make sure these guys laugh so they could be engaged. Like I don't know where all that came from, but man, like I just wanna go back to just being childlike, hanging out with Jesus, just sitting with him and letting that be enough. And I just actually wanna end with this clip. Um, and just to give a bit of a background, we went to a conference last year called One Thing. It was a great conference, kind of. But, but do you guys know who Francis Chan is? Francis Chan. He's a man, right? Well, some people don't think so anymore, but I, I think he's great still. But he was just you know, talking about a time where he was at a conference with this guy named Mike Bickle, who's the uh, leader of IHOP. And you know, he was just realizing the weight you know, of the great commandment of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And um, yeah, just take some time to watch this clip. But yeah, you know, as he was saying, you know, he just felt so unqualified to preach. You know, just because he didn't have the first commandment, right? You know, and Francis Chan goes you know, along to say, like, he went up there and he was like, guys, I'm not qualified to preach right now. 
And then he was like, yeah, I know all the young people are thinking, you know, maybe I watched pornography last night or like I was caught in adultery. But he was like, no, like it wasn't any of that. It's just that I wasn't loving God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. And he was like, that's not okay that, you know, we're living our lives and that's not the standard. You know, I'm in no place to say that I'm doing all that perfectly as well. And, but I'm in the same boat with, you know, everyone here. And I just want everyone to just close um, our eyes. Just kind of open up our hearts right now. And to be honest, I just want to, you know, get to a time of repentance. And it's not the kind of repentance where we're hating ourselves for sinning. But it's repenting and changing our ways, declaring to God that we're going to change our ways to love Him that we're going to give him all of our hearts, that we're going to give him all of our souls, all of our mind, all of our strength to God just to love him. That that's the first and the greatest commandment. And it's so sad to think that we just let that slip by and think that it's okay. That other sins you know, way greater than us not obeying the first and greatest commandment. And you could get into whatever posture of repentance, of surrendering. If you need to come and answer an altar call here, you know, on your knees, don't look around, don't think about what anyone else is doing. If it's just pressing on your heart, I just want to invite you guys to just come just give your hearts back to God put it back on the altar thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast for more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.